You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. At 8.46 a.m., September 11, 2001, a passenger jet commandeered by terrorists was purposely flown into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Only 17 minutes later, a second jet struck the South Tower. With both buildings burning, emergency responders began arriving in an attempt to rescue anyone inside. These brave individuals had responded to calls from 911 and other dispatchers, knowing that a quick response was needed to save as many as possible. The South Tower, the second tower hit, was the first to collapse, only 56 minutes after being struck. 29 minutes later, the second tower collapsed, killing all those who had not been rescued or escaped and the first responders who were left in the building. 343 firefighters died in that collapse. Responders know that when they are called, there's often only a short window of opportunity to save the people who are involved in serious incidents and accidents. Time is of the essence if lives are to be saved. I work in safety. I'm an environmental health and safety professional. And I've had to call 911 five times in my 25 years at the company that I'm at. And I have found that the professionals who respond, respond very quickly, and they respond quite calmly to situations that the rest of us would put us in uh, utter dismay, not knowing what to do. They're trained to assess the situation. They come in and make sure that it's safe. They understand what needs to happen. They take immediate steps to evaluate and stabilize the person that they are working with or on. They know what information the doctors are going to need when the patient arrives at the hospital. They are part of a team working to save people. And to the families whose whose, uh, whose family members have been injured, experienced a health issue, these people are heroes because they're saving their family members. But one of the problems that these real heroes have is oftentimes they're in situations where they can't save everyone because there's not enough people to respond. This was the case with the the 9-11 in the towers. They couldn't get enough crews there, even though they had over 200 units respond from New York and others respond from other areas. As we look at our passage today, Jesus is walking through the country and he's sharing the gospel in all of these different towns and he's seeing all these people who need to hear the message that Jesus is is the Messiah. They need to hear the message that God saves and he can't do it by himself. And so he calls 911. He calls his father and he says, send out more workers He turns to his disciples, pray that my father will send out more workers. Jesus called 911. God is the dispatcher and he's calling us to become first responders with Jesus. To bring the message of eternal life and hope to the the distressed and praying for others to join us. 
Like Jesus, as we walk through our world, we need to see the crowds of people with his eyes. Like Jesus, we need hearts that love the crowds and show them compassion. Like Jesus, we need to pray and invite others to help us reach the crowds. We need to see. We need to act. We need to pray. Think the word sap. And that brings me to my uh, bumper sticker today. See, act, pray. We only have today. It is urgent that we get the gospel message out because we do not know how much time anybody on this world has. Now, Jesus uses a farm illustration. He talks about a harvest field. Now, a farmer, when it's approaching time to harvest his crops, he has to physically get out into his fields to assess their condition. If you try to uh, harvest corn too early, you're going to spend a lot of money in the dryers drying your corn. If you harvest soybeans too late, you may crush the beads. The beans may fracture or they may fall out of the pods. Pretty soon they're going to be harvesting apples. If you don't pick the apples soon enough, they fall on the ground and they rot. We need to be in the field to see and assess the condition of the crop. If a farmer is indifferent about his crop, if he doesn't care, he won't be driven to harvest it. If we're indifferent about the lost, if we don't care, we won't be driven to share the gospel. If a farmer doesn't recognize the urgency of the limited harvest season and his own limited abilities to get that crop in, he will never ask for help. And much of the crop, crop will be lost. Let's read what Jesus' disciple Matthew wrote in Matthew 9, 35, 38. And this is uh, what he wrote about Jesus and what Jesus asked of us. And it says, beginning in verse 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. So my first point, we need to see the crowds with eyes like Jesus. The passage opens with a statement with what Jesus has been doing. He's been traveling through all the towns and villages. He's been teaching in the synagogues. He's been announcing the good news. He's been healing people. He's been loving them. As he's traveling, he's sharing with everyone. This is like a farmer planting seeds. Because you can't harvest if there's nothing planted. So the farmer's out there uh, planting seeds. So Jesus is out there. He's healing the sick and the broken. He's teaching them about his father and, and his kingdom. He's loving them, the lonely and the distressed. He's being an example of how, and, and showing them an example of how much God loves them. He's acting like a farmer. He first goes out from the field and sows a seed. He announces the good news about the kingdom. The fact that the Messiah is here, that Jesus is the Messiah. He's sharing that the kingdom of God is at hand. That hand means I've got it here. I have a hold of it. The kingdom is here. 
He's taking the word of God and sharing it, spreading it everywhere he can. And I want you to note, we cannot begin to see the crowds, the lost, with eyes like Jesus if we never leave the barn. So if we stay in the barn, we can't plant very much, and it's not going to get very much sunlight. We can't really cultivate anything, uh, because what are you going to do? Turn over the straw that's on the floor. Now last week I talked a little bit about a t-shirt that Becky had seen. It says the church has left the building, and that's what we need to do. We need to, to come here to be encouraged, but then we need to leave the building and take the gospel with us. Uh, by the way, I did order one of those shirts that says uh, God, uh, the church has left the building. Uh, I, I really like them. I like the, the slogan. I like the idea. To see with eyes like Jesus or to even think about gathering the harvest, we have to leave the building, go out in the fields. We need to know and share God's word with anyone who will listen. Are you looking, are we looking for opportunities to share what God is doing in our lives, to share his word? His word tells us that it will not return void, that it will always accomplish its purposes. And we can be safe sharing his word, knowing that God can work through it. So how do we do this? Well, we can memorize verses. Uh, we put up a memory verse every week on our screens here. Uh, we have that list. You can memorize verses. If you have one of these Bibles, back on page 360, there's a bunch of verses on sharing the gospel that you can go ahead and, and memorize. So if you want one of these Bibles, they're on the back table back here. We're more than willing to give out as many as we can. We can put Bible apps on our phones. I've got one. I've got actually two Three Bible apps on my phone. Uh, one of them is Greek, so that doesn't help a lot of people. Uh, but I've got three Bible apps on my phone so that I have the Word of God at hand anywhere that I am at. And we need to look for opportunities to share what we are learning. What's something that you're learning in your life group? If you're involved in a life group, share with people what you're learning there. If you're learning something here in our Sunday morning service, share that. If you're learning something that you're, uh, uh, in your personal devotion, share that. Share whatever it is with your coworkers and family how Jesus is making a difference in your life. Now, Jesus not only sows seeds, he cultivates. He's teaching in the synagogue. So he's helping them understand the word of God. He's pulling weeds, so he's taking the, the untruths and the myths that they've learned, and he's pulling those and showing them that those are wrong. He's creating conditions for the word to grow in people's hearts. Again, we can't cultivate if we're not in the fields, if we're not helping people understand the word, if we're not building relationships with them. People need to hear how Jesus is making a difference in our lives. People need to see how Jesus is making a difference in our lives and how we live and how we love. When they ask, we need to tell them what Jesus has done for us, how Jesus' love motivates and changes us, making us ready to go into the field. Once we get into the fields and start interacting with people, if we don't care about them, we won't be motivated to see them coming into a saving relationship with Jesus. But I believe that if Jesus is in our hearts and we get into the field, our hearts will be motivated because Jesus' Holy Spirit is going to be prompting us to love the people that we're running into, to pray for them, and to want to share the gospel with them. We need hearts that love the crowds and show them compassion. 
See, when Jesus, he saw the crowds, he said, says he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In our life group, we just finished a study on real life or, and uh, into a study now on Colossians. And in real life, there's an uh, Indian pastor, his name is Ashke Kumar. He stated this, and I believe that it is true. We do what we love, not what we know or think is right. So we all know that we're supposed to share the gospel. But how often do we do it? We know the right things to do at work, but sometimes we choose to do something else because of what we love, not because what we know is right. I hope that we would begin to love others so that we would do what we know is right, which is sharing the gospel and taking the message of Jesus Christ to the world. Knowledge alone, without desire, without motivation, without love, will not provide the drive that we need to reach the lost. So we need Jesus to give us that love. We cannot manufacture it in our own strength. We're not going to be able to manufacture love for the lost in our own strength. And in order to do that, we need to go out and meet the crowds and, and be like Jesus who had compassion on them. Now I want you to look at this word compassion. The word compassion is a very special word. And if you were to look at it in the original language, it wouldn't say that he had compassion on them. It would say he was moved with compassion for them. Compassion is an action word. Sympathy and empathy are emotions. Compassion will always be followed by action for the benefit of someone else. I want you to look at some other passages where Jesus had compassion on others. In Matthew 14, 14, it says, Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped, out, stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. His compassion drove him to action. In Mark 1, verses 40 and 40 through 42, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. He said, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Jesus was moved with compassion and an action happened. In Luke 7, 12 through 15, a funeral procession was coming out, and as he approached the village gate, the young man who had died was a widow's only son. A large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the co coffin and touched it, and bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus was moved with compassion, and an action followed. Now, my wife and I, we support a child through Compassion International. She's in the Dominican Republic. Her name is Girardi, and, and she, uh, we believe she is a gift from God. We share letters with her, and right now she's four years old, so her letters are mostly pictures, um, but we know that she loves to dance, and she has, uh, lives with her mom and dad. And, and we share letters with her. We pray for her. We send money to help her and her family. 
But I want you to note, they don't call it Sympathy International. This isn't a ministry for us to feel bad about people who are in impoverished situations. They don't call it Empathy International, where, where we feel the children's pain. They call it Compassion International. They call it Compassion International because they are taking action to change the situations for these children. The money that we give provides for them an education. It provides for them to hear the gospel. It provides for their family food and things that they need. That's what Compassion International is. Their compassion has driven them to an action. So when we see the crowds, do we see them as lost, in danger of spending eternity without Christ? Do we see them as harassed and confused, deceived by our enemy, the devil? Do we believe that they are loved and in need of the, uh, of the help only Jesus can give them? Or do we walk on by indifferent to their condition? Have we become callous in our hearts? We need to meet these people and get involved, and get involved in our community. Some things that you can do is you can help with, invent, uh, with Bible and adventure clubs. You can take this card and give it to somebody and invite their kids to come and hear the gospel on Wednesday nights when they start meeting here. You can take one of these cards and invite people to our church. Let them know uh, what's coming up. Uh, pastor has some in the back. You can join a sports league or a club in town so they get to meet some of the people in town. You can coach kids' teams. You can volunteer someplace. See, we need to hear people's stories. We need to find out about them. We need to get to know them so that we understand who they are, where they've come from, and that we can learn to love them. So we need to talk with our neighbors when we see them. If you see them at the local stores, you know, I run into more people at Coburn's and Quick Trip here in town than any other place in the world. I, I, people that, you know, I haven't seen for months, I'll walk into Quick Trip after church and boom, they're there, an opportunity to talk to them and share with them. We need to do that. We need to pray for their needs, but we can't know their needs if we never talk with them, if we were never out there with them. And when they share a need, if we, can, if we can provide a way to help them at whatever level we can, whether it's physically, whatever, even if we just say, you know, I will pray for you, can I pray for you, and then make sure that you do. We need to love them where they are at. Don't expect them to be like us so that they will want to meet the Jesus they dearly need. We need to be moved with compassion, and this only happens when Jesus transforms our hearts. And for Jesus to transform us, we need to be in a growing relationship with him and his word. Now, there's a simple Bible study uh, method that you can use to help you grow, uh, and uses the acronym SOAP. And so I've, I've brought that. I want you to see this. So the S stands for Scripture. So we need to write, uh, read God's word and then write down a verse that speaks to you. So just write down the verse. This verse speaks to me. The second letter, O, is observation. Write down what we observe from the verse. Keep these simple, clear, and even obvious. So what stood out to you in that verse? A stands for application. Write whatever we feel God is telling us through the verse, what he wants to apply to our lives. What does he want me to do 
with what I've observed, with what I've read. And then the P stands for prayer. Spend time with Jesus, talking with him like we would a friend over coffee. It doesn't have to be flowery speech, theological language. Talk to him as you would your best friend. And one of the things that's helpful is to write out our prayers so we can see when God answers. In, our, uh, in my life groups, I keep a prayer journal. So we write down the prayers, and when God answers them, I cross them out. I have pages of crossed out prayers because God has answered, and we've been able to see that uh, in our life groups. As we are doing this, this will help us build our relationship with Jesus. Now, one of the other things that we can do while we're doing this is bring the people that we're running into, that we, God has put on our hearts, to him in prayer, just asking him to begin to open up opportunities for us to share and for them to be receptive to the gospel message. As God begins transforming our hearts, our hearts will begin to break because the needs we see um, and, and the, what, how we want to help people will quickly exceed our resources. It won't be long before we see more people than we can touch that need to hear the gospel, and, and we're just not able to do it, and that should drive us to our final point here, which is we need to pray for and invite others to help us reach the crowds. Now, Jesus, he said to his disciples, so he's talking to people he knows, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Look who's in charge of the harvest. It's God the Father. Our job is simply to get out in the fields and share. God is the one who actually does the harvesting. He's the one who's going to change hearts. He's the one who's going to call people into their kingdom. We offer it to them. He does the calling. He invites his disciples. He expects them to be a part of the harvest workers. He is asking them to pray for God to provide even more workers. He is asking them to become disciple makers, to pass on what they have learned so that the people that they are harvesting will become harvesters themselves. Jesus has been training his disciples to preach the good news. He's getting ready to send them out into the harvest field. In fact, the very next verse in chapter 10 of Matthew, he sends out his disciples into the harvest field. Jesus, this is the compassion that leads to action. Jesus sends his disciples out. He wants them to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, and cast out demons, to set people free from the oppression, from the harassment, Lord, so that they would not be confused. As the first responders on 9-11, 2011, uh, 2001 began assessing the situation, they began to call in many other companies. Half of all of New York City's fire departments responded. There were 200 companies from New York. There were also units from Nassau, Suffolk, Suffolk and Westchester County and other neighboring districts. As I mentioned before, 343 firefighters died that morning trying to rescue the harassed and the confused in the two towers. They did not expect the towers to collapse. No one did. 
They knew that people were in danger and needed to be evacuated, so they went in and did what they could. We don't know how much time anyone has left. My sister died at 53. My brother died at 45. I am approaching quickly 60 years old. I don't know how much time I have. The people that we come in contact, they could be struck down the minute we leave this building. There's an urgency, and we need to train people. We need to get out there and share the gospel because people need to come to Christ before it's too late. We need to be the first responders. We need to help save people. When we do that, we become the heroes for those families whose family members are lost, distressed, harassed, and deceived. There's a need for us to call out to God, to, for God to motivate people to call and send workers into the harvest field. And this isn't only for pastors. We don't need just pastors and missionaries. We need everyday people in the world sharing the gospel. There's not enough pastors to reach every person. In fact, I will probably never meet 98% of the people that you know. We need to be out there reaching out into our community. So how do we invite? We invite people to our church, or we invite them to a life group, or we can invite them to our Saturday morning prayer time. We can invite people to come alongside of us as we minister, teaching them to do the things that we do. And it doesn't matter whether you're a teacher, whether you're a nursery worker, whether you're a children's church leader, you're a member of the setup crew. These are all important ministries that allow us to reach the people with, uh, with the gospel. So how do we pray? Pray specifically for people we know that they would come to Christ. Pray for our youth that God would call some of them into full-time ministry and to the mission field. How do we become disciples members, the disciple makers? We come alongside someone as a mentor. Study God's word with them one-on-one. -on -one. Help them find their ministry. Join a life group, grow in there, and then learn how to lead your own group. Pray for opportunities. Uh, sometimes, theological term here, we call these divine appointments, where God brings someone directly across our path at just the right time with a message that we have in our hearts for them so that they can hear that. Pray for those to happen. Pray that we would be receptive to the Holy Spirit's prompting when those times do come. And like the t-shirt that Becky saw someone wearing, it said the church has left the building. Jesus is calling us to leave the building, leave today, go into the field, see the crowds, love them with hearts filled with compassion and will drive us to action. Pray for others to join us as we go out to reach the lost. To bring, and then once we find them, Bring them back into the building so that we can help them grow and then they can go too. We need to see, act, and pray. We only have today. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who loves us so very much, that you are patient with us, Lord, that you are kind and forgiving. Lord, I pray that you would change each one of our hearts, that you would give us a love for the lost. Lord, that we would cry 
for those that we know who are without the gospel and resistant to you. And Lord, that we would cry out to you asking that, uh, that you would change their hearts. And Lord, as we pray and as we go, I pray that you would help us to see you reaping a harvest in the fields that are around us. And Lord, that your kingdom would be increased because we, are, we were obedient to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand as we sing our way out this morning? Thanks for listening. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find resources to help you grow in your faith, give online to support this ministry, and share your prayer requests with us at riverrockchurch.com. May God bless you. Share Jesus with others this week.